Welcome to Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about Disney's cancellation policies and how you can use their generosity to your benefit. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you'll receive bonus content. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at WWDeciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. I am Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So Leslie and I are sitting here today on Black Friday recording because unfortunately, Leslie, you were supposed to be on a Disney cruise right now. But uh, that did not end up happening. It did not end up happening. And this has been sort of my fear about travel all this year. Um, I was worried that, you know, we would have to cancel a trip due to COVID. And that finally happened. My husband came down with it. He was the last man standing in our family um, to never have had it and was on a business trip the week before our Disney cruise. And, you know, technically we would have been okay to board under, you know, CDC rules and quarantine periods and things like that. But we just didn't feel Feel right. It was going to be cutting it really close. And we thought, you know, he might still be feeling ill at the time we were due to board. So we, we canceled the cruise. Our fine travel agent, Joe Chung, did the deed for us. It was really hard to do. But, you know, I think a cruise ship is just not the place you want to be if you're not feeling well or feel like you're going to spread it to other people or the rest of us and be quarantined in our cabin. So we had to we had to make that call and we did. Understandable. Now, because of that, um, we, you know, and I had a bunch of trips canceled in November as well. Hopefully, as you're listening to this, I am on my way back from Disney World, but not counting any chickens before they are hatched. However, we thought it would be a good time to go over the cancellation policies for Disney properties and also talk about how you can use those cancellation policies to your favor uh, when you are planning trips. Now, Leslie ended up planning a last-minute trip to Great Wolf Lodge, and although we normally do Disney trip reports, uh, she did end up doing a short Great Wolf Lodge trip report for our patrons. So um, here's where we say, if you're interested in checking out our Patreon, you can check us out on patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you receive bonus content, and we really want to thank and shout out two of our new patrons this week, Rachel D. and Paige. Thank you so much for your support, and all our patrons for support. Now, Leslie, how would you characterize Disney's cancellation policies in general? Because I think people sometimes are surprised when they start looking into it. Yeah, I would say that Disney is pretty darn generous in the grand scheme of things, especially for a vacation with as much money on the table. And, and maybe that's why. I mean, maybe they can engender more goodwill by being generous when, you know, something really does come up from a family. Because the reality is, is families don't want to cancel Disney vacations. Usually it's because something like what happened to my family happened, you know, or maybe there's some other kind of family emergency or, or thing that has arisen. I mean, these are these are long planned and long awaited vacations for most families. So so Disney is is very generous and they've been even more generous during COVID times. I mean, I think that's to everybody's benefit. You know, I don't think Disney uh, cast members wanted us to be boarding a cruise this week. So question whether that's going to last much longer, I suppose. But but for now, it's still pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, and we'll get to what we think, especially in terms of Disney Cruise Line for 
their COVID policies, which are super generous. So let's get straight into it. At Walt Disney World, a lot of people, especially these days with park reservations and things like that, although as an aside, there are rumors that Bob Iger, the newly reinstalled CEO, is thinking of revamping that system in 2023. So we'll see how that goes. But there's nothing concrete on that yet. And with park reservations, generally people have been booking packages because it's just so much easier to have your tickets and hotels packaged together, which is very different. If you listen to early episodes of the podcast from three years ago, uh, we always like to keep things separate, but things have definitely changed. The nice thing about a package is that you make a $200 deposit and then you have to pay for the package in full 30 days in advance. So these Disney packages generally contain at least your hotel and your tickets. Sometimes you can add Memory Maker to them. Uh, You can add insurance, although we'll talk about why you should not do that uh, later on in this episode. And there are some other add-ons that you can add as well. But for most people, the package is the hotel and the tickets. Now, you don't need to pay in full until 30 days. And if you cancel before that, you get your $200 deposit back. Now, Leslie, what happens if you make cancellations less than 30 days before your travel date on a Disney package? All right. So within that 30-day window, if everything you've booked is Disney, you know, your room and your tickets, then you get everything back except for the $200 deposit. Again, pretty generous. Now, if you've booked things that involve, you know, third parties, like a third-party partner hotel or run Disney, race registrations, things like that, then it definitely just all depends on that third-party vendor. So it's sort of outside of Disney's control. So there's, I guess, some question marks there, but you just have have to kind of be prepared for your situation may vary. But if it's all Disney, you're really not on the hook for very much, just $200. Yeah, run Disney registrations are technically non-refundable, but I have had to cancel twice, and each time they've given me half the money back in the form of a Disney gift card, which is better than nothing. And then the last thing Disney says on the website is that for cancellations made one day or less prior to guest arrival, the full price of the package is non-refundable. We're going to go through all these details, but then we're going to talk about what it looks like in practice. What we've been saying so far is what Disney writes on paper. Now, changes to the reservation before 30 days, you can make all the changes you want. Now, when you are within 30 days, Disney says you are subject to a $50 change fee uh, if you change anything about your reservation. In practice, I think I've only seen them try to charge that to one of my clients once, and I'm not even sure if that charge actually went through, and I've done plenty of changes within 30 days. So it's interesting that they say there's a $50 change fee. It is definitely not always enforced, at least um, when I have done the changes. Now, that's what happens if you buy a Disney package, whether it's Walt Disney World um, and Disneyland is the same rules. You can also, of course, just buy just rent room only reservations. You can just do room only reservations at Walt Disney World or at Disneyland. Leslie, what's the policy here? So for room only reservations, and this is something that applies to Aulani as well, because I do that often there as well. Your first night is charged as a deposit. And it's actually the cost of your first night, not the average cost of uh, the room over the course of your reservation. And then you just pay in full once you arrive at the resort. So technically, the cancellation policy is that you need to cancel within five days. But in practice, there really isn't a fee assessed. So so why is that, Joe? Yeah, the reason why the fees assessed is, I guess, I guess the way to say it is, in practice, 
there's no change fee assessed, I think there would be a cancellation fee assessed if you cancel it. But normally what you're going to want to do if you have a room only reservation and you're within five days and you need to move it is just push that reservation out to a future future date and you know keep your deposit there and then cancel it at that date that is further than five days out. So, you know, this is what Disney says is happening. And let's talk about the tips that we like to use in practice when we are booking our Disney vacations, because, you know, there's a, I've experienced, and I don't know if this is going to change, but as of right now, the policy that as it is written is very different than the policy as it is enforced. Now, the first thing we'll say is name changes and all that stuff. You know, sometimes people are worried about like, oh, what if I, you know, like um, my brother was going to come, but now my sister wants to come instead or adding people, stuff like that. In general, don't worry about that. You can do that at any point. Again, we're talking about Disney World, Disneyland, uh, Alani. Don't worry about name changes and things like that. Now, in terms of changing dates, Leslie, what do we know about how easy it is to take days off of our reservation? It's easy to take days off. It's hard to add days on. I highly recommend that people overbook their vacations. So if you know you're going this week, but you don't know if you're going to arrive on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, book the widest range of the dates you might possibly be considering. And then you can trim the vacation down later, you know, especially as like flight deals become available, you know, always important book that hotel first and then book your flights. Because if you book your flights, then you're, then you're really locked in and, you know, you may not be able to get the, the dates at the Disney hotels that you want or the room type that you want, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, we've talked about this before Disney hotel inventory is, very finicky and and very difficult to say the least yeah so you know if you really have your heart set on like a given hotel and you know you have a a budget that limits you to a certain room type being able to add on days later because your plans changed is really really hard and on that note i think people sometimes worry like what if disney drops an offer that offers a discount you know they've had disney plus discounts disney visa discounts all sorts of random discounts um florida resident discounts if you live in florida People always worry, you know, what happens if a discount comes out after I've booked? Well, because of this generous change policy, especially if you're outside of 30 days, it's not a problem at all. You know, if Disney drops an offer, just change your booking to that offer as long as the inventory is still there and save some money. And of course, generally your travel agent, uh, at least if I'm your travel agent, will do that for you. Now, what about trip insurance, Leslie? Because people are always asking me about this. What do you say about buying Disney trip insurance? And out of curiosity, I don't know the answer to this, but do you have trip insurance in general for your family? Yeah, I'm in the don't buy it camp, (laughs) personally, as well as, you know, what I recommend to other people for Disney vacations. I mean, like we said, Disney's very generous. You're going to be able to find a way to, you know, move your reservation, adjust your reservation, you know, postpone to a future date, um, you know, something like that. So I don't think it's worth paying the money for trip insurance. And and personally, we don't have it as a family either. We just sort of self-insure. I mean, obviously this has to be within your budget, but we, um, you know, even for Europe this past summer, we didn't buy trip insurance. We just figured if something happened that we would do our best to refund what we could, and then we would absorb the cost of the rest of it. And, you know, we haven't had to cancel a major vacation and lose thousands and thousands of dollars on a given trip yet. So I think it's worked out to our advantage because if we had bought trip insurance for every, you know, major trip we have had at this point as a family, it would have been many thousands and thousands of dollars. 
Yeah, and we have a yearly policy that is a couple hundred dollars a year, and that will cover about $2,500 to $3,000 per trip that's canceled. We've never used it, but we just kind of have it. Um, we started getting it right before COVID, but we just have it for a peace of mind. And it's not going to get everything back from a Disney vacation, but it'll get back enough to take this thing out if we need to cancel. Although, again, with Disney, I'm not super worried about losing the money. So actually, we have the yearly trip insurance policy more for our other trips. The other thing to remember is if you're going to buy trip insurance from Disney, and sometimes like when people book the Galactic Star Cruiser and stuff like that, they book the Disney trip insurance. And I guess I can understand that since the cost isn't more for Galactic Star Cruiser, but you're covering a much bigger outlay uh, and it covers both your Star Cruiser and any pre or post days that you have. Do not buy that trip insurance until you are locked in. So for the Star Cruiser, you're locked in at 90 days. So if you're going to really, if you really want to buy the trip insurance for peace of mind, then buy it right before you do your final payment for Star Cruiser. But for Disney packages or especially for Disney room only reservations, because you can cancel for free 30 days in advance for packages or five days in advance for room only reservations, there's no reason to buy the insurance before that, you know, because you can get all your money back um, and it's not going to be a thing at all. Now, one thing that I want to talk about in practice that has worked all the time is changing dates and then canceling. It, it, it as of right now, especially because of COVID, it always works. I mean, I've had multiple clients come down with COVID the day before that they were leaving. And I've called Disney and explained to them the situation and it's been no problem. They've been able to move their you know, change their check-in date by one day or push it out by a month in some cases. Uh, so Disney is just super generous with changing. Like if you call and you have a serious reason that you need to change, I feel like Disney is happy to keep your money and have you come because every time they do that, every time they don't take your money without you going and let you come later, that creates a much greater chance that you'll come back in the future. So if you call I guess, I guess the way to say it is I've yet to call for a client who's had to cancel even 24 hours in advance of a Disney World or Disneyland vacation and have them lose their money. That's great news. And um, I know a lot of people appreciate that under the under the current circumstances. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's always a good lesson, you know, in all travel, you know, ask nicely and you, you'll be surprised at what you can get. But you shouldn't be surprised with Disney's policies. Definitely. Now, a couple of advanced tips that I... Uh, the cancellation policy can help to facilitate is some people like to do split stays, um, which means, you know, you're going to stay at Hotel A for the first three days of your trip and then Hotel B for the last four days of your trip. My general recommendation, although you don't have to do this, is book your Hotel A for all seven nights. Because what will happen is when your dining window opens or your activities windows opens, you can book it for your entire vacation and then drop the four nights when you're done booking your dining. Because again, uh, you can change your dates as much as you want up until 30 days and dining is 60 days in advance. So that's one thing that I like to do uh, and recommend. And another thing, you know, if you're feeling really indecisive, you can always book one on-site hotel and a hotel offsite that's also refundable deposit and then decide as you go along. So, I mean, this is uh, Leslie and I probably generally have more reservations than we care to admit when we're trying to figure these things out, like more than one at least. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the reality is a lot of people are in that boat too. So if you can't get the room you want at the hotel you want right away, try, try again, because you probably are going to be snagging some of these uh, other people's cancellations as well. 
So we want to talk a little bit about ticket-only costs. Sometimes you have a timeshare in Florida already, or you're staying off-site, or you're renting an Airbnb or something. And in that case, you're not going to be packaging your tickets with Disney. You're going to buy ticket-only. And so the question at that point is, what do you do if you're not able to go? It says very clearly in the terms and conditions that it's non-refundable. And in my experience, that is the case. In very extenuating circumstances, I've seen refunds or at the very least refunds in the form of Disney gift cards, but that is pretty rare. However, Disney is always, in fact, I think it's in their terms and conditions, like you can always use the value of your ticket in the future. For example, if I buy a ticket to a four-day ticket that starts today on November 25th, but I don't make it to Disney World... Next month, I can call and be like, hey, I never used my ticket. Can I use that value to buy a ticket for December 10th? And as long as there's park reservation availability on December 10th, uh, that's not going to be a problem. I need to pay the difference if it's more expensive. But other than that, I can use that value that I used on the canceled ticket. Now, what you really have to do, though, to make this happen, they can find your ticket even if you don't do this. But I plead with you save your confirmation number. As long as you have the confirmation number of the ticket order, the ticket only order that you had, you call ticketing, uh, you're going to get sent to ticket services through the main guest line. You're going to wait on hold for a long time, but you give them your confirmation number, they'll be able to find that ticket and find what happened to it. In fact, Leslie, I had tickets that I bought in 2017 and I forgot that I'd used one of them to turn into a ticket for my trip last February. And so I called ticket services to ask about it. Um, and they were like, you use it on this date. Like they can find, they can find and trace back all that stuff. And if your ticket is unused, you can use that to purchase a future ticket or use the money spent on that unused ticket for a future ticket. Does that all make sense? Yes. And we should say that that's all for Disney World. It's a little bit different at Disneyland. And the reason it's different at Disneyland is because Disneyland has um, multi-day tickets that are just the same price. It's not date-based like it is at Disney World. So generally what Disneyland is doing, like right now, they are selling multi-day tickets that are good through the end of 2024. So at Disneyland, it's just as easy as, you know, okay, you, you, you cancel a trip, a multi-day trip, and, you know, you don't, you don't use those tickets. It's just going in and making park reservations for the days that you actually do want to go. So for multi-day trips at Disneyland, super easy. And, and you also don't lose the value. Say you can't go until the end, you know, 2025 and those tickets expire at the end of 2024. The value does still stick around like it does at, at Disney World. So, but it's a little trickier when you start getting into those situations. But single-day tickets... At Disneyland, that's where it just gets really, really messy because there's this. You couldn't have kept it all easy, right, Leslie? No, that, no. That would have been, been too much to ask for. <laughs> and this is why I only buy multi-day tickets at Disneyland, folks, because I don't want to deal with single-day tickets at Disneyland. I mean, first of all, they're very, very expensive, but second of all, there are all these different tiers. I think there's seven tiers of tickets, and you know, different days have different tiers. So, say you buy like a tier one ticket that's only good you know maybe 20 days on the calendar something like that so if you buy a tier one ticket and then say you can't go that day it's really hard to find another day to go and it's really really difficult to find a way to upgrade that ticket to a different tier and in fact I don't know of any stories of anybody who has so if you're one of those let us know uh, but so that's that's my bottom line is like if you're gonna buy a tier zero tier one tier two ticket at Disneyland you better be sure you can go because it's going to be really hard to reschedule a trip. I mean, especially if you're an out-of-towner 
Um, and if, you're, if you live in LA, different story. But if you live like I do in the Bay Area, it's just going to be a nightmare. So don't do that. <laughs> Buy multi-day tickets, especially if you're out of town, because those are super easy to change and are usually valid for somewhere between 12 and 24 months, depending upon when you purchase them. Yeah, and Disneyland's great. Go two days. Don't just go one day. That's the, the bottom line. Now, if you have a ticket for a special event, like Christmas parties or after hours parties, in general, I have heard, and I've also had a couple of clients who have recommended to do this and have had, had success. If someone gets sick or you're not able to use one of the tickets, go to actual human beings at the ticket booth and they should be able to do something for you. In fact, that is a rule of thumb that works for almost any ticket situation you're in. If you talk to an actual human being at Walt Disney World or in Disney Springs at the guest services building, they generally can find a way to make you whole, whether it be like one time I had a ticket that was expiring. It was like a, it was a convention ticket um, because I was in Florida for a convention or something and I wasn't able to use it. I went to ticket services. They gave me a one day park hopper for the future. They might sometimes do that. Last week, I had a client who had a family member get sick and was not able to go to the Christmas party. Uh, yes, it was the Christmas party. Um, and they got a Disney gift card from the ticket booth for the value that the Christmas party ticket was. So definitely, if you can talk to someone in person about your tickets, go ahead and do that. One last thing for tickets that people sometimes wonder about is if you have like a five-day ticket and you only manage to go four days, it's exactly like I said. If you can talk to a human about that, a lot of times they can do something about that. So I'm cur I am currently have a one-day ticket for my son. Leslie, was that the trip that I went to with you? Like I think he had a three-day ticket and we only used two days or – a four-day ticket, and we only use three or something like that. I talked to the ticket booth about it, and, um, well, I don't know exactly how it happened, but I have a one-day park hopper for him because of it. Yeah, I think it was the trip that we met up with you on this summer where we overlapped for a day. I think you changed your flight maybe to go back early and didn't end up going into the parks like one morning or something like that. So, yeah, good that it worked out, and, and you have an extra day now that you can work with. Right, yeah. So just to reiterate, if you can talk to someone about your ticket issue, a lot of times they're going to be able to do something for you. Now, let's talk about flights. Uh, the first thing I'll say is that I never book flights as part of a Disney package. I just, I do not suggest that at all. Even though airline cancellation policies have gotten better, there's no need to do it. Keep it separate. And the reason why is because if something goes wrong, it'll be much easier to get your money back or get the credit for your flight back um, if you're not dealing with Disney. And I should add to that, Joe, don't book your flights through other third parties either, like not Expedia, not those kind of sites, because again, having that middleman for your flights can can really cause disaster when things go wrong. Yeah. And places like Expedia, it's this, it's like most of the time it's the same cost as if you just go directly through the airline these days. So go ahead and do that. Use Google Flights to search, to search for the cheapest prices and almost most of the time for domestic flights, it's going to send you to the website of the airline anyway. Now, as far as we can tell, like the majority of airlines in the United States, and we haven't looked up all of them, but there are only three main ones with fees if you need to cancel your flight that we found. That would be Allegiant, Frontier, and Spirit. So basically the low-cost carriers. 
almost everyone else, you get charged a cancellation fee or a change fee if you have a basic economy ticket. But for any other type of ticket, any like normal ticket and above, you at worst get travel credit back from these airlines. So United, American, Delta, all of those. And then Southwest, Leslie, since that's your preferred carrier, and a lot of people like to fly Southwest to Florida, why don't you just tell us a little bit about their cancellation policy? Super, super generous. Right now, if you cancel any fare type, then you get a credit back. And Southwest earlier this year made it such that their credits don't expire. So you would have credit for Southwest for you know years to come. Those other airlines like you know Delta, United, American, they have expirations on most of their travel credits for mere mortals. But Southwest, everybody gets to hang on to that credit forever. But we should mention that if you get credit on a want to getaway fare, that's Southwest's cheapest fare class, then the credit does have to be used by the person who originally booked the ticket. So if I, Leslie, booked a ticket, I can't use that credit for my daughter to book a ticket later. But you know there are higher fare types where you can actually move the credit around among people. But as long as it never expires, I think that's pretty pretty valuable. It's pretty good. Used to set Southwest apart, but now that uh, the other airlines are offering free changes and cancellations as well. Not as good, but Southwest has the non-expiring credits, which is really awesome. All right, let's get through Disney Cruise Line really quickly. Through March 31st, 2023, my best guess is, and I don't know this for sure, and I don't, I don't know if it'll change, but my best guess is through March 31st, 2023, that is the date where Disney stops offering its extended payment time. You know, Disney has set it up so you don't have to pay in full until 60 days before your cruise up until March 31st, 2023. I'm guessing that until then, if you're in Leslie's situation where you or someone in your family gets COVID or you have direct contact with someone who gets COVID, even if it's the day before your cruise, you can call in and cancel your cruise for free or move it to a future date. Now, all that is in writing on the Disney Cruise Line website. What is not in writing is the date that that policy ends. And in fact, I asked an agent the other day when I called, and our best guess is that it'll end on March 31st, because that's when the other COVID-related temporary final payment extension thing is ending. So, if you have a cruise between now and March 31st, and unfortunately you get COVID or you're a close contact, you can call and cancel or have your travel agent call and cancel. And Leslie, I didn't realize this until I was like peering through the terms and conditions. It does say explicitly, Leslie, that you don't need to show any proof, um, which, you know, your husband definitely had COVID, but they weren't, they, they didn't ask me for proof. And uh, that's in their terms and conditions explicitly. And we even took a picture of the rapid test just in case we needed it and we didn't need it. <laughs> Definitely. And like you said, Leslie, I think they don't really want people getting on with it anyway. So it's just not worth all the hassle of emailing back and forth, especially like, yeah, I've had I've had to cancel cruises the day before. And that is, you know, if I had to wait for emails to go back and forth, that would be pretty stressful. Normal cancellation policies, once uh, everything goes away, if you're listening to this after March 31st, 2023, in general, name changes are always okay until you hit your cancellation window. What is your cancellation window for Cruises of one to five nights, that is less than 90 days. Um, that's when rolling cancellations start kicking in. That starts at the deposit amount per guest um, and gets higher as time goes on. For cruises of six nights or more, it's 120 days or less for cancellation. So you can't do name changes after that without 
technically needing to be charged. Although again, during COVID times, I've had them do name changes and not give me a hard time about it within the times, but I'm not sure if that'll be the same thing after March. And then just one note for concierge rooms, no matter what your deposit on a concierge room is non-refundable, but that doesn't mean you can't use that money to a future Disney cruise if you need to change your cruise. It just means you're never going to get that money back in cash uh, no matter what. So that's how things go for concierge. Now, Leslie, there are cruise categories with restrictions that you can book. Uh, can you describe what those are really quickly? All right. Well, for these kind of cabins with restrictions, I mean, these are completely non-refundable, non-transferable, no refunds. These are the kind of deals that you jump on last minute um, when you're going to be locked in anyway. So you're you're on the hook for these kind of cruise cabins with restrictions. But the advantage is you're probably saving money on the cruise. Yeah, you know, I've definitely seen a lot of savings, sometimes up to 25% on these. I would really only recommend booking these last minute because unless you get COVID, uh, you're not getting your money back no matter what. You can't transfer it to a future cruise. There's no way to get this money back unless you go on that cruise. So you save a ton of money on these, but uh, there's a lot of risk there. So what people generally like to do is, and actually they release these guaranteed with restrictions rates. A lot of times they release them last minute anyway. And so if you book it two weeks in advance, you're probably going on that cruise and then that's worth the risk. And you can buy trip insurance through Disney for those cruises. I still am not sure I recommend it, but that's an option if you're worried that you're going to have to bail on it. All right, so that covers most of the cancellation and change policies. Hopefully that helps you as you're planning your trips. I think bottom line, Leslie, would you think it's fair to say with Disney, don't worry too much about it. It's almost always like your flights or third-party hotels or like other aspects of your trip that you're going to have to worry more about getting your money back from. Disney, as long as you go to Disney eventually, is happy to you know earn interest on your money until you finally get there. Yeah, I totally agree. And for what it's worth, I am out exactly $0 for my Disney cruise canceled vacation. Um, booked with Southwest for my flights, booked a room that I was able to cancel within the cancellation 72-hour period uh, for the night before our cruise. And then, of course, Disney gave us our money back as well via Joe. Yes. They dropped off a briefcase of cash in front of my door, and I uh, shipped it over to Leslie the other day. Got there before Thanksgiving. Amazing. All right, Joe. Well, let's close this out with our traditional Disney do or don't. What do you have for us? Okay. My Disney do is very simple. Disney's cancellation policies are very generous, but there are dates that you have to keep in mind, especially for Disney Cruise Line. So do set calendar reminders for yourself. Just set yourself, say, I mean, what you need to do or what you can do is set yourself a 70-day reminder for booking dining and then a 35-day reminder to make your final payment or make any changes or cancellations before you hit that 30-day window. You know, as long as you're organized, you can totally stay on top of Disney's cancellation policies and make sure that you don't get caught unawares. But of course, I guess the other Disney do is... When in doubt, just give them a call. They'll probably work it out for you. That's right. All right. Well, like I said, I'm mostly speaking of my experience. I 
still have yet to have a client lose money from Disney itself. Um, but if you have any experiences where Disney kept your money, we'd love to know. Let us know. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I'll see you pouring over the terms and conditions using that lawyering skill. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.